the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we do it every Monday, we check in with our expert on foreign policy. He knows a lot about domestic policy, too, international relations, military policy, and that's Brandon J. Weikert. He is the publisher of the Weikert Report. He is a columnist for the Asia Times, the Washington Times, America Greatness. He is the author of Winning Space, and in the pipeline, he has The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. In fact, speaking of pipeline, Brandon, first of all, welcome back. And speaking of pipeline, uh, there is a little bit of a pipeline on The Shadow War, right? Yes, yes. We uh, currently, because of what happened to me in Florida uh, with the storm and reconstruction and my time having to be dedicated to that uh, with my house, uh, we kicked back the publication date from tomorrow to closer to spring. Uh, So if you've ordered the book, it's still going to come. It's just we're, we're pushing it back because I can't kind of do the usual book tour because I'm going to be dealing with, for the next six weeks at least, uh, workers and whatnot coming in and out of a house as we try to re- rebuild and repair from the damage of Hurricane Ian. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'm sorry to hear that uh, you have to deal with all that damage, uh, Brandon, but uh, good work, and uh, nothing will stop you from uh, staying with us and guiding us no, in real no. time through all these uh, issues. Um Speaking of, let's just start there for a second. I want to get to Xi Jinping's speech over the weekend. But before we get there, um, are, are, are people going to start claiming that uh, Pr- Prime Minister uh, Trudeau of, um, of Canada is, a, um, is enforcing a Muslim ban and he's a racist and a bigot for doing so? I see our mutual friend Thaddeus McCotter. Uh, did an interesting write-up. Uh, the Trudeau government just announced that it is not going to allow any IRG members into the um, into the country of Canada. Um, too bad the United Nations isn't there. Perhaps uh, would have kept Raisi from going, huh? That's right. That's right. Um, we can't seem be... to figure out how to keep Raisi from poisoning our land here. No, no. And uh, the Canadians are... Uh, seem to be the land of refuge for all of the crazies <laughs> yeah. in the world, uh, and it's very scary because you know they're very they're obviously right next door to us, um, and it isn't just the the Mullahs we should be worried about sending their at risk family members and assets there. The Chinese have been taking over that uh, Canada for years. They've been having all kinds of illicit operations, uh, and even the Islamists from Al Qaeda and ISIS, yeah. not just those coming in from Syria under the banner of being refugees, but um, there's a long history, and I've talked about this with the BBC, a long history of Canada being a pipeline for getting uh, jihadis in. So what is going on in Canada that they just can't seem to, uh, you know, get over uh, this this notion that there are enemies out there. There are people who want to kill not just America, but Canada as well. And maybe we need to build a wall uh, with Canada, maybe we need to start, uh, you know, blockading 
uh, the kind of you know easy access the Canadians have if they're going to keep providing uh, safe havens for America's enemies. And make no mistake, the 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 mullahs and the regime of Iran is probably the single greatest enemy the United States faces in the Middle East today. You know, you speak about these threats, and you use phrases like the greatest enemy, and it's kind of interesting uh, making these comparisons. Uh, I heard some other people talking today, the difference between the threat from Russia, the threat from China. Xi Jinping did give a uh, an important speech over over the weekend, Mm-hmm. Uh, to the, uh, the what 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 is that? It's it's kind of the, it's it's the annual update to the Communist Party there in China. That's right, it's the National People's Congress. That's right, yeah. the Na- Na- yeah. National People's Congress. Uh, a friend of ours, I think, a friend of ours, Frank Gaffney, was writing yeah. early about uh, earlier today about how um, he is setting himself up to effectively be the next emperor of China. And yeah. you know, it's it's the new Mao. yeah, the new Mao, and you know. We we unfortunately don't quite decipher the languages of foreign speakers very well, particularly when they are our enemies. We we, we kind right. of fell flat when it when it came to understanding what Arafat was really talking about when he would talk about uh, peaceful um, uh, uh, peaceful intifadas or or when he would talk about accepting Israel and that sort of thing. Here we have uh, Xi Jinping talking about defeating hegemony. Um, yes. I think what people don't understand is that means the United States. Yes. Yes. You have to understand, this is an ideological war. We don't want to talk about ideology for some reason, even though they call themselves the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, we don't want to talk about ideology because we convinced ourselves that by opening up to Western trade and capitalism that the Chinese have basically abandoned communism. They have not. And with Xi Jinping being the most Mao-like leader since Mao, one can anticipate the shift away from open market, free trade with the West to now taking all of those gains that they've made over 40 years now of basically pillaging our our economy and stealing our technology, uh, and even in some cases our innovators and money. They're now going to shift under Xi and begin the you know the true ideological war taking all those gains and converting them into military advantages that they will then use to defeat the United States at some point in the very near future. And that's what we need to be aware of. That's what Daphne was talking about. Um, But unfortunately, very few people appear in government to really take this threat seriously. The national security document that uh, the Biden administration just released, 48 pages, most of it fixated on Russia with the mentions of China being that down the line, there'll be a threat. No, there is threat today, and they're only going to get worse. And once Xi Jinping officially becomes, he solidifies his third term as president, he will be on the way to being the next emperor. And God help us, because he's the least likely person in China's leadership to cut deals with the West. And so the days of us getting along are pretty much at an end. But don't tell anybody in Washington that, particularly the Biden administration, because they got to get 10 percent for the big guy. I want to come back to that 10 percent for the big guy, because that's that's in the news again, too. We'll come back to that. That's <laughs> that's a very important phrase. Uh, maybe it should be a bumper sticker. And at, at the risk of offending you, I think maybe it's an important bumper sticker than Let's Go Brandon. But um <laughs> But yeah, you're right. Um, the new national security strategy that the White House put 
out uh, the first mention of China. The People's Republic of China harbors the intention and the capacity to reshape the international order. Uh, that's not what they say about Russia. The first mention of Russia is uh, about its is about its 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 brutality and its ongoing brutalization of its people and the rest of the rest of the region. Are are they looking right. at the smaller threat and trying to make us think it's the bigger one? And is this a politicalization of our of our of our national security strategy document? To be honest with you, I think that that the. It could be that they're purposely downplaying China, but I think more likely, uh, typical D.C. fashion, they're becoming uh, fixated on the near term at the expense of the long term. And they can't see that Russia and China are operating in tandem, and as is Iran with them. And so they think that, you know, they, if they focus on Russia and break Russia, it'll somehow stop China. It won't. In fact, China benefits the longer this war in Ukraine goes on because it depletes us and it distracts us, clearly. Uh, and then whatever other kind of political chicanery is going on behind the scenes between, you know, getting a 10% cut for the big guy, uh, that's just added, uh, you know, fuel for the fire. But the real issue here is our leadership is not able to differentiate the forest from the trees, uh, fixating on Russia just because all the big explosions are going on there and not recognizing the small, the, the quieter explosions that are going on right now in China. That's the problem. I want to work with you uh, the rest of this hour, Brandon, on all three of those countries, Russia, China, and Iran, that you mentioned. But you said something kind of in passing that I think is really big here, and I haven't thought of it the way you kind of put it before, uh, which is people don't like thinking about ideology. And it you know, it's always been mystifying to me when people ask me, how could so-and-so do such-and-such in the right. political sense? Or how could country X do Y? Or how, how can right. Democrat L do Z? And I always start with the answer that Hannah Arendt gave years ago in the 50s. There's nothing quite so powerful as ideology. And you're right. People are afraid. Can we talk a little bit about why people yeah, are afraid of ideology? I have a theory on it, but... I don't think it's very good. I've been trying to wrestle with this for many years. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. I'm Seth Liebson. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. The stock market has lost nearly 20% since the beginning of the year. Can you afford to live on 20% less in retirement? Inflation is still continuing to devalue your money. If you want to stop the bleeding, you may want to look into putting some of your investments into gold and other precious metals. And if so, doing so with the only gold company I recommend, the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480 480- Three six zero three thousand. They have a full range there of of all kinds of precious metals and bullion. They are great people. They uh, believe in uh, our agenda here and our ability to communicate. I and thousands of you already own gold from Midas Gold Group. The veteran owned Midas Gold Group. Give them a call and tell them I sent you. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest, as he is every Monday. Brandon, you made such an interesting point in passing. I wanted to come back to because it's perplexed me for a long time. You say people don't like to look at ideology, and usually it's my first answer to questions. 
about why someone believes X or does Y. And I don't know why there is such an aversion to it. Um, I suppose at one point, maybe a lot of people in the 50s and 60s got burned when they realized that the Marxism they were flirting with was uh, a political philosophy and they just don't want to touch it. And they're now allergic to anything having to do with political philosophy. But I don't know that that obtains anymore. It is weird, though. You're right. There is a aversion to ideology, probably nowhere more so than at the State Department. Right. And it's ironic because some of those individuals are the most ideological on the planet. (laughs) Without knowing it even, Right. They just accept that as the essential and, uh, you know, normal worldview. And, of course, it's not. Um, And it, it is also ironic because... Well, I guess it's not ironic, because in a sense that the, the left-wing ideology, there is no right and wrong other than what they believe. There is one lane is, and it, only one lane. Yeah. Right, and it, but it is really based on moral relativism uh-huh. at its core. Yep. And therefore, I think it's, it's difficult for people ensconced in that ideology to pinpoint and identify other ideologies, particularly those of foreign countries like Iran or like China, uh, where we have a colonial, we as in the West, not necessarily the United States, but we in the West have a colonial history. And of course, the kind of underpinning of all Marxist ideology is predicated on guilt over colonialism and you know rapacious capitalist exploitation. And so who are the left who sit there in, in judgment over those ideologies like the Communist Party of China or the Islamists of Iran? Who are they to sit in judgment over them because don't we deserve to be destroyed? Aren't we the guys who are the bad guys and gals? Um, and I think that's part of the, the reason for why they're allergic to looking at the issues from an ideological standpoint, at least from a standpoint of ideology from how our enemies view the world. You have to be able to empathize with your competitors. And, uh, you know, the left seems incapable, even though they're the ones who talk about empathy all the time. They're incapable of empathizing with with our enemies and figuring out what makes them tick and how we can basically manipulate them to not be enemies or to not threaten us the way that they do. They can't do it. You know, it might take four years at Johns Hopkins to understand the notion of real politique, which dominated so much and still does, I suppose, so much foreign policy mm-hmm. thinking. I think I can do it in about a sentence, though. And you <laughs> fix it, fix me here or fix it, Brandon. But it's to divorce ideology from the equation and simply look at self-interest. If I'm right, right. If that if that just saved you four years of tuition at SACE, right. Um, right. <laughs> uh, right. If I'm right about that, it still seems to me you would want to know why someone is opposed yeah. to your self interest and what right. motivates or animates yeah. or fuels theirs. And, you know, the way I think about it is, I have a lot of friends who went through the commerce school at my undergrad, and they're in finance now, and they work in commodities, and so they don't really look at politics the same way. They always think, you know, they always think, why is it the Chinese want to go to war with us when they've been making so much money off of doing business with us? And it's like, because of ideology, because it's not just, it's a country, not a company. China is not a company. It is a country, and it is dedicated, it is ruled by dedicated ideologues who very much want to exact what they think is historical vengeance upon the United States, plus to fulfill the mar- what they think is the Maoist or Marxian uh, you know, vision of displacing evil capitalism. So you've got that kind of dual, dual mentality there. 
I was giving a speech this weekend to a group, and one of the questions, Brandon, was why so many of our youth are increasingly attracted to notions of communism or Marxism. And, you know, one of one of many answers that, that would go into this, but one of the things I've been obsessed about for many, many years is that um, – you know, Marxist ideology, for that matter, jihadist ideology, uh, is, str- is strong medicine. It, it gives you something to believe in, something to fight for. It gives you yeah. a cause. And yeah. what is it opposed to? Well, once upon a time, it would have been opposed to the West. Right. The problem here is we have spent basically two generations now um, right. talking about what a crap place this is. And right. that there's nothing to believe in here. It's all bad. It's all systemically racist. It was born in right. slavery and on and on and on. The West, you know, we are a blight on the world, not a savior to it. And it right. seems to me there's an element of that going on. The self-doubt and self-critique, some of which is very merited, don't get me wrong, about ourselves, but it's become dominant, that self-doubt and self-critique, yeah. it doesn't exist in Iran. It doesn't exist in jihadists. It doesn't, it it doesn't, doesn't exist, exist in China. Russia. Right. There is no self-doubt. You can't fight a nullet. You can't. They're very confident. Yeah. Yeah. They're very confident. And uh, the confidence is stemming partly from that ideological upbringing. But uh, it's also because they don't allow. You know, I was talking to a person from I was talking to one of the business people that I know from China. And he was saying, you know, we've already had our cultural revolution and it didn't end well for us. So you Americans can have fun with that. (laughs) Meaning that all of this, you know, quote unquote, woke stuff. That's our cultural revolution, and it is not going to end any better for us than it did for the, the, the Chinese in the 1970s. And so the Chinese are looking at us, and they're going, why would we want to replicate that model? We've already been down that path. It doesn't end anywhere good for us. It sets us back. And so it's pretty pathetic when the Chi- Communist Party of China, the largest remaining Communist Party in the world, is even saying the Americans are going way too far left, yeah. and we don't want any part of that. Uh, and I think that I think that, that that confidence stems from the ideology, but it also stems from, in the case of places like China, been there, done that. Yeah. We know what works and what doesn't. And um, that all kind of coalesces into them not only being a real material threat, but to also being a real kind of spiritual and ideological threat, because now they're making the case that our alternative to the American system is both materially better, but also spiritually better. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, you you, you are going to expect something that can't happen and never was if you think you can you can fight a strong force with a nullity. I I don't need to explain that to a survivor of Hurricane Ian, but that's effectively what we're talking (laughs) with ideology. Let me take a quick break here, Brian. We'll pick up on um, on the national security strategy just released by the Biden administration on Iran, Russia. And China when we come right back. I'm Seth Leaps and he is Brandon J. Weikert. You can follow him on Twitter at We the Brandon, his book Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, with another couple books, one on Iran, one on China, right in the pipeline. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth Leibson, delighted to be joined by Brandon J. Weikert, publisher of The Weikert Report, theweikertreport.com, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Brandon, I don't want to take it way too seriously, but it does give you a sense of not only the thinking internally, but also the thinking they want others to read, this national security strategy that was just released today yeah. by, by the Biden administration. 
I don't even know if they believe what they write sometimes. Listen to this, page 42. We will pursue diplomacy to ensure that Iran can never acquire a nuclear weapon while remaining postured and prepared to use other means should diplomacy fail. Iran's threats against U.S. personnel as well as current and former U.S. officials will not be tolerated. Should diplomacy fail? Is 43 right. years not long enough for them right. to realize that right. diplomacy has failed? At least us, not them, maybe. Well, and it sh- to show you how dangerous of a moment we're in, the current administration, I believe, is setting up for regime change in Riyadh. Yes, right. I wanted to ask you uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you saw my recent... I, I did. We'll get to it in a moment. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and so, you know, just to tee that up, um, not only is diplomacy not working with Iran... But we're now becoming active participants in basically doing the bidding of the Iranian regime because the current administration is so desperate to get a nuclear weapons deal and to essentially hand the region over to the mad mullahs of Iran, even as their power is imploding in Iran. Um, what, What should have been said in the national security strategy document is that we will stand by the the pro-democracy uh, protesters in Iran, the women of Iran who are leading this this charge, and we will not seek to do anything that will empower uh, the Iranian mullahs at the expense of the gallant, uh, freedom-loving people of the of the ancient polity of of Persia, now Iran. Right. But that's not what they're saying. It's, it is the most weak-kneed, um, confused, uh, vacuous foreign policy that I have seen of any president. It's pretty bad when. Biden's old boss, Obama, even today admitted in a talk that his failure to stand with the Green Revolution yeah. in 2009 was, yeah. quote, his biggest foreign policy blunder of his first term. Yeah. So even Biden's former boss is saying, hey, yeah. we should probably be standing with the women of Iran. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, God, it's just it, I, I hate the lack of accountability here. A lot of us in 09 Absolutely. were on the right side of this and Absolutely. they just didn't want to. You'll like this part. Can I read you another part from the national security Please. strategy? Please. OK, uh, now we're talking. We're still in the Middle East. As President Biden stated during his visit to the West Bank in July 2022, Quote, two states along the 1967 lines with mutually agreed swaps remain the best way to achieve equal measures of security, prosperity, freedom and democracy for Palestinians as well as Israelis. Close quote. Next sentence. This new framework relies on a sustainable and effective posture. New? New framework? (laughs) Who are they kidding? Come on, Brandon. Two states along the 67 lines. This new framework (laughs) ought to work. You know, um, I isn't Joe Biden innovative, right? The Biden plan. Pretty soon they'll be calling it the Biden plan. Yeah, well, he's nothing but a throwback to the 1970s in every way imaginable, including the unwanted massages from for for women. All of it. All of it. He he is he is the worst kind. Because let's face it, that that plan is not workable. I remember I was speaking with a former general from the IDF when I used to do work with the Chicago Council of Global Affairs back in the 2010s, and he said to me, he goes, look, the problem is, is that when you do those 67 lines, the the air defense corridor becomes so narrow that we can't defend the airspace of Israel from incoming rockets or planes, because now you've narrowed that strip down so small where the radar warning comes too close to when you need to launch those missiles. You don't have enough lead time to adequately defend against incoming rocket attacks. And so going back to those 67 lines, even if it were possible, which it is not, 
it would not lead to a safer region. It would be more destabilizing, not less. We need to let the Israelis have what they have and then work off the Abraham Accords. You know, and, and we're not doing that because, of course, Orange Man bad. And I, okay, fine. But, but that's, that's a fact. Where are those missiles coming from? Those missiles are coming from Gaza. How many Iran. Jews, Zionists, or Israelis live in Gaza? Not one since 2005. I mean, it's just... Iran. Yes, yes. All right, I am Seth. He is Brandon J. Walker. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are worried about stock market volatility, what if I could offer you an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market? Talking about my friends and show sponsors, why refi? What they are offering up is a great investment. It's all in a secure, collateralized portfolio with an up to 10 and a quarter percent return for investors. And the investment can be in an IRA, a trust, it can be in an individual investment or a joint investment. Why Refi is a due diligence to prove firm. It's made up of really great guys. I know them well, and they do well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R E F Y.com. Or give them a call at 855 316 3087. That's 855 316 3087. Never a sales pitch. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Brandon, um, one thing before I, I do want to get to some domestic politics if we have time, but you, you wrote a piece up on uh, possible regime change in, the, in, in Riyadh coming out of the White House. There's a headline as well uh, that uh, the Saudi prince is making a threat after Joe Biden warns of consequences to Saudi Arabia. He's, he's good about ratcheting up the rhetoric, Joe Biden, isn't he? Against our allies. Yeah, yeah. Always. Not against our enemies. Yeah. Always against our allies. Yeah. Because um, he's a bully. I mean, that's what a bully does. They, they pick on the people that can't defend themselves. Um, and the difference here now is, though, because we've cut our domestic oil production so much over the last two and a half years under Biden, we now are more dependent on Saudi and even Russian sources of oil than we were three, four years ago, which means that when Biden picks fights with the Saudis over some silly, you know, political assassination, uh, when when he picks fights with them over this, what that means is we are more exposed to Saudi leverage. And so when Saudi last week, after we refused, after the Department of Justice refused to confer sovereign immunity onto MBS, who was named also the prime minister last week or two weeks ago of Saudi Arabia, when the Justice Department refused to give him or to credit him with sovereign immunity, meaning he can't be sued, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince. Then two days later, the Saudis sat down with the Russians, and the two of them decided to cut production at historic levels that will spike the price on us for at the gas pump going into the 2022 midterms. Now, all of that is because Biden is picking fights with the Saudi crown prince when he should be playing Mr. Nice Guy since we're so dependent on the Saudis for oil and to keep those prices low. He's a fool. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is how wars start. Uh, my gosh, I, I hope it's how elections get changed. But here, but it's it's unfortunately also true that it's how wars start. Speaking of, you know, um, there are these races going on around the country. I, I've been told for the better part of my life, I live in a center right country. Brandon, do I I'm looking at this Senate race in Pennsylvania, um, the state that gave us Rick Santorum not so long ago. Right. And they have right. a guy who can't string a sentence together 
beating right. Dr. Mehmet Oz. And, and this right. guy shouldn't be within 10 points of Oz. How is he beating him in a state like Pennsylvania? I mean, well, every I think poll. A of things, yeah. I think a couple of things you need to remember is that, A, Dr. Oz is kind of a of an odd pick for Pennsylvania. Yeah. I don't have a problem with him, but, you know, he's he's not your typical Pennsylvanian. So I think some of that is hurting him. But I think beyond that, I think that it has to do with the fact that we are now living in an us-versus-them country, yeah. uh, where it used to be not very long ago, if you were a Democrat and you didn't like your candidate, you probably could find a moderate Republican that you would say, okay, if I'm not, if I'm going to vote, I can probably vote for him because my side's putting up a crazy person. Same thing with the Republican. But now it's this all-or-nothing mentality, and so now you have it where really there is no middle ground anymore we are living living in the extreme where now you have many democrats in pennsylvania i'm sure are not particularly comfortable with fetterman but they're so ensconced in this us versus them mentality that they can't even see that oz is the furthest thing from a radical right winger they could easily vote for him and probably have a very fine state uh even if you are a guy to the world democrat but they're not going to do that because of this us versus them mentality where they're willing to give over the country or their state or their locality to the most extreme radical on the left that they can find only because they have a D instead of an R next to their name. It's simplistic, it's dangerous, and it's going to get us all killed. You know, there's 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 a um, there's another answer here, and I don't know if it's uh Along the lines of my ideological question a few segments ago, and, I, and I'm not sure if it's sufficient or not, but sometimes, you know, Occam's razor does apply. Sure. He was asking me, Mike and Maricopa, he was asking me, you know, why is there so little media coverage of a devastating um, government report on the terrible uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan? And it's, yeah. I, I mean, okay. Oh, I mean, if there was a bad report during the Bush administration with Iraq or Afghanistan, it was five we days of news. I get it. The, the media right. here really does control what we see and what we don't. They went after Thank this you. NBC reporter for doing the job that no other reporter would do, which was right. saying Fetterman's got an right. emper- well, empire with no clothes. Wrong. Yeah. She didn't even do anything wrong. She did she nothing wrong. She highlighted that other reporters were doing things wrong by right. concealing his condition from us. That's right. And in the process of asking him questions, there he is typing out and yeah. having to read answers. He's so compromised, he can't even string the, I mean, he literally can't string a sentence together. That's right. They're going to hand this guy a powerful Senate seat from one of our largest states. Are you nuts? Right. This is not a Democrat-Republican thing. This is a safety issue. Yeah. You know, Uh, of course it is. This is a person who votes or would vote and debate on foreign aid, on foreign military excursions, on all kinds of international treaties. You betcha. No, I I think that's right. But the media does at the end of the day. I mean, the left wing media that, you know, people tire of us complaining about. It's not a complaint. I'm trying to instruct. It does have an effect. It is relevant. People say, well, it's not relevant. It is relevant. It changes minds, minds that aren't yours or mine or this audience's. Right, right, right. And and that's the point is that it shows you the, the high level of corruption 
and coordination going on. You know, you know, Rush Limbaugh used to always say that the Democratic Party didn't control the media. The media controlled the Democratic Party. And I think that this, this proves it because how can anybody in their right mind look at Fetterman and say this guy is a rational actor who we can trust? Put aside your, your, your ideology, but you can't, obviously. And this is what we've been talking about. But if you were a rational person even 10 years ago, you would see if you were a Democrat, I, I don't want to vote for the Republican, but I can't vote for Fetterman in good conscience. I mean, look at this guy. Yeah. But then again, 10 years ago, they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden either. I mean, I, I remember working on the Hill. Joe Biden was the butt of everyone's jokes right. in the Democratic Party. That's right. Now he's like, they're, you know, they love him suddenly. What did Barack Obama say? Don't underestimate Joe's ability yeah. to... Yeah, that. that's yep. the way to do it. Yeah, yep. I was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brandon J. Weikert. All right. Continue your rebuilding. You'll come back stronger. You're going to build back better in Florida. You uh, are. We're and gonna, and we're I make think our house great again. Yes, you will. make. Yes. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Let's make your house great again. We could do this all day. Brandon, thank you for everything. Brandon Weikert. Yeah. Really appreciate Catch you, you sir. You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson. You can follow him on Twitter. It's a really fun and active Twitter feed. We the Brandon at we the Brandon. Easy enough. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, yeah, I was talking about this last week uh, a lot, and uh, it's in the world we live in, the frenzy that we are kept in. Uh, the story's pretty much gone by now, isn't it? Um, and it's the law. It's the story about Joe Biden's pressuring of Saudi Arabia to not make their OPEC decision, their uh, reduction, OPEC reduction um, decision, until after the election. Uh, I'm glad Scott Johnson brought it back. He's citing a column from the New York Post. Let's make sure this doesn't go away. I'm going to talk to the panelists at our Battleground Talkers Tour this Sunday about it as well. Blake will be there. Uh, it'll be great. Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, Charlie Kirk. You can get your tickets at 960thepatriot.com. We're doing it all this Sunday afternoon. It is afternoon, so you can be home for family dinner. But leaving aside Joe Biden's ridiculous denial about inflation and his Walter Mitty claims to having been there and done that, he still managed to hit a new low last week. If Congress plays by the rules that followed during Donald Trump's presidency, Biden committed an impeachable offense, and he admitted it on TV. The president told CNN that, quote, there will be consequences, close quote, for Saudi Arabia after the kingdom refused a White House request to postpone a cut in oil production. Depending on circumstances, penalizing an ally, ally might be necessary. But the problem is the request. It was politically self-serving, designed only to help Biden's poll numbers and his party's midterm chances. The White House, after being rebuffed on its demand that the planned production cut be rescinded altogether, focused on the timing. It was then that the officials asked for the cut to be postponed a month, meaning it would take place after the elections. Now, keep in mind, this was done about a month ago, about two months in front of an election. When Donald Trump spoke to Zelensky about investigating corruption in Ukraine, that was 2019. Joe Biden wasn't even the nominee of the Democratic Party. It was a year before an election. I don't think there was anything that wrong with the call. I don't think it certainly rose to the level that grabbed everyone's attention and Including impeachment. But how is this not worse? In Latin or law, we say a fortiori. So much the worse this is. 
the team wasn't as concerned with rising gas prices, Biden's team, as it was over when consumers would feel the pain at the pump. The when, the when, not the if, the when. The goal was to avoid the price hikes before voters made their choices. And Joe Biden continues to stumble over this very issue. It's just in California telling the Californians that California's always had $7 gas prices. Well, if history begins with Joe Biden's presidency, then always is right. Somehow, most Californians' history goes a little bit further back. Many of you have asked for me to um, reprise my monologue from the first hour. I'll uh, do that at the top of the next hour. Then Mark Krikorian on crime and illegal immigration. A lot more. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.